Hi, this is Brent Barber, the founding director of the Bicycle Film Festival, and this is Resonance FM. Ride on until the break of dawn, because you don't stop. Uh -uh. Thanks, Brent. This is The Bike Show, and my name's Jack Thurston. We are live from Denmark Street, um, having failed to win the Art Rocker prize of two tickets to see Art Brute later on in the week after um, you know, I gave it my best shot. It almost didn't have any callers. Then Jonathan out in West London pit me to the post, but um, it wouldn't have been fair and legal for me to have uh, taken the tickets. Absolutely. I'll have to pay. I'll have to pay. Anyway, on this week's show, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, um, crazy bicycle inventions, um, cycling in London now and 30 years ago, um, riding a folding bike around China, and a lot more besides. And um, on the show, I have a lot of different guests. Last week, we had an interview, a couple of weeks ago, we had an interview with the great Eddie Merckx. We've had Turner Prize winners, um, leading members of Ken Livingston's advisors, and some of these guests are rather difficult to get on the show you know, have to persuade them and flatter them and, and all the rest of it but the guest on the show this week has been absolutely easy to get on the show and I don't demean him at all by saying so because he is David Thurston aka my dad welcome Hi. to the show finally thank you it's nice to be on the other end of the microphone yeah well you've been a long time listener as you know both of my parents have been and obviously it's the show did start with just those two listeners but we're now we've broadened out we have got <laughs> oh, pushing on 500 podcast subscribers all around the world and then of course the avid listeners in london listening on 104.4 fm um but you've been cycling um in one or form or another for for a long time i mean how well, did you first all, get into cycling in London? All, all my, well, I first got into cycling in London uh, 30 years ago when I was banned from driving um, for uh, in the early days of the breathalyzer. I got caught in a roadblock and uh, taken off the road for a year. So I went down to Devon, my parents' home, and found my old school bike in the garage still, popped it on the train, put it up to London. Um, this was about 74, 75. Ninety last century, that is. And um, there was practically nobody on the roads on two wheels in those days. Uh, maybe the odd motorbike, maybe the old, odd, old man, like I am now, uh, on a, on a sit-up-and-beg push bike uh, that he'd been riding around. But apart, there was no sporting bikes. There were no uh, bike shops to speak of. And um, to today, I did almost the same journey. I, I took the bike from Devon, where I'm living, uh, to Paddington on the train, got off at Paddington, and then biked down to Waterloo through the park, uh, and there's bicycle park um, pathways, and um, little, green tra little green bicycles in traffic lights, which I find very intriguing. <laughs> so what are, be what are the biggest differences? Well, the volume, volume of bicyclists. I mean, now it's marvellous. In those days, Amsterdam was the city of Europe, which was bicycling. I think London is probably as good a bicycling city as, uh, as anywhere in Europe. And so does it feel safer or more dangerous? I mean, well, obviously no, there's I don't think so, because there's more traffic. Um, the traffic is possibly faster and more aggressive. Um, I find that still going around Trafalgar Square and Hyde Park Corner is still quite a thrill, akin to going into a bullfight, really. <laughs> which I haven't done, but... Uh, 
Well, so you've not only been um, cycling in in London, but as a um, student and then later journalist um, based in China in the late 70s and early 80s, you used a bicycle to get around because I guess there was no other way. Well, going to China was, of course, completely opposite uh, situation because there were millions and millions of bikes, bikes, bicyclists everywhere. And the first major impression that you get of landing in China is going, you know, once you've got out of the airport, going into the streets, and there are bicyclists everywhere. Um, and and um, that, was, that was a great thrill. But I took my own bike because it was a, a Bikerton, which is an aluminium frame, rather a spongy ride, tiny wheels, but it was 10 kilos, so it was half my baggage allowance on a, tra- on a plane, and um, uh, that's how I carried it there. And then it, it all wrapped up in a bag, so I could take it on buses and trains around China, get to the station and erect it, and off I went. And what was the reception of local people? Obviously, it's strange enough to see you as a, as a Westerner in those days. I mean, we're talking about China uh, more than 20 years ago. Yes. Well, yes, it was quite true. I mean, being tall and blonde hair was enough of a, an attraction without coming with a tiny bike, because all the Chinese bikes were pretty much the same, the sort of heavy metal thing. So gazelle or eagle or whatever. Yeah, leaping deer was a favourite, I think. <laughs> so you must have got a few funny looks. Well, not looks, crowds. And uh, I even got applause because I, I got off the bus one place and uh, erected the bike, which was come out of its bag, put it all together and rode off on it and everybody cheered. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, they wanted to have a go. And that was hil- hilarious because it was a very, very spongy ride indeed compared with the leaping deer. And um, they, um, they, they giggled and fell off. And uh, well, I actually didn't have to park the bike very much because all I had to do, if I wanted to go into a temple, I'd just give it to somebody and say, look after it for me, have a ride if you like. I knew they wouldn't go and steal it because it was the only bike of its type in China. And uh, they wouldn't get far on it without the, the police getting them. So it was perfectly safe. And it didn't fall apart because, you know, the Bickerton is the butt of many jokes among cyclists. It's the the favourite of the cycling nun, if the, <laughs> if the TV ads are anything to go yeah. by, if anyone can remember that far back. Well, it was really, really gelat- gelatinous. It's, it sort of wobbled and sponged a bit. But, well, but the roads in China are relatively firm in the cities and flat, so it's easy riding and marvellous. It's a bit akin to turning up on a Ferrari in, sort of, in a small town in north, southern Italy or something. And what have the changes been like in cycling in China? I mean, is everybody wanting to drive a car now? Well, of course, yes. Bicycling has suffered. Um, I haven't been in mainstream China for a couple of years, but I heard my friend from the BBC comparing his time there 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, with now. And he said there were bikes and overpasses. There are no bikes, overpasses and buses and cars. And... Uh, I'm afraid the bicycle is on the way out until they reach a point where they find that traffic is clogged and they'll probably go backwards again, which is really what we're doing here in the West. Rediscovering the bicycle because yeah. car was no good and public transport hasn't been, uh, isn't fast enough. That's right. Well, the Bickerton was an extraordinary invention and um, I was contacted a few days ago by an Irish inventor who has invented a form of bicycle which is even more extraordinary and probably even more gelatinous and spongy 
than the Bickerton bicycle. And he's christened it the sideways bike. <laughs> it's a bike which um, you can steer both wheels. Essentially, each hand steers um, a different wheel. So your left hand steers the front wheel and the right hand steers the back wheel. It's hard to describe on radio, but there are some videos online and I'll put links to those from the bike show um, uh, webpage. But I caught up um, with Michael Killian, the inventor of um, the sideways bike uh, yesterday and, and, and asked him to give me the, the full technical uh, lowdown. A few years back I just kind of started spending weekends in the shed hacking things together. I had done a number of skateboard type devices that just kind of barely worked without killing you. And then I kind of got the idea to try a bicycle. And after many iterations, I came up with this bicycle that has two independently steerable wheels. The front wheel steers and the rear wheel steers. Your left hand steers the back wheel and your right hand steers the front wheel. So how is it propelled? Uh, it's propelled like a normal bicycle with a pedal and chain and cogs. Uh, the chain has to go slightly over the forks to avoid the rear steering mechanism, um, but it works just fine. Um, I'm surprised that it works, but it 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 works just fine, and it it can be quite graceful. Um, the dual steering allows it to to drift to the left and to the right, sort of like skiing. So it's quite a strange motion. And how long does it take? I mean, it looks extraordinary when you watch the video and see somebody. Well, it's you, I think, in some of the films and other people gliding along. Um, it looks very elegant and, and graceful. But how long does it take to actually get the hang of it? Is it just like, you know, just as easy as riding a bike? It's difficult to think about. And a lot of people struggle with the idea of it. But it's actually quite easy to ride. And I've had about a success rate of about 9 out of 10 people can ride it first time. So it's not like one of these fairground bikes where... Uh, the steering is the wrong way around and you have to go just about 10 yards in order to win 20 pounds? Uh, no, it's, it's quite rideable. Um, as I say, 9 out of 10 can ride it. Um, it's, it's more of a kid's bike, or I hope it'll be a kid's bike. And certainly, when you're not struggling with the idea, it goes easier. And older people oftentimes get thoroughly confused with the idea of it. <laughs> Whereas kids just want to have fun. And and so when you actually came to build it, I mean, did you have to start from scratch or did you modify existing uh, bicycle componentry? Uh, I'm a scavenger at heart and I've uh, chopped up many a good, perfectly good bicycle, unfortunately, to get here. Um, at the moment, it's a front of one bicycle and a front of another bicycle kind of jacked in together. And there's a little bit of welding and then there's a, a very vertical... Uh, seat post um, but it, it has a unicycle saddle and all the chain and cogs are all from bicycles and so you've been taking it around the world showing it off what's been the reaction when they see you uh, you know I've, I've spent a lot of time in Holland and Copenhagen and uh, these are big bicycle places um, so they all find it a bit strange um, but the thing with Holland is that they love the bicycle so much they can't help but be interested. Right, so, and, and you look, must look quite a sight on it because you've got quite a striking appearance with this uh, extravagant handlebar moustache and uh, you definitely got the mad professor look. 
Uh, certainly. And while I can make it go straight and behave very like a normal bicycle, I spend all day wiggling and twisting just because th those are its capabilities. And is it more fun to ride than a regular bicycle, do you think? Uh, I, I, like, it's certainly different. And the type of feedback you get is very much like skiing. Like, it can be quite exhilarating with all the drifting. And I would say that you're kind of exploring your your balance capabilities to a greater extent than a normal bicycle. And so you've become involved in a TV program uh, that's looking for the next great invention that's going to uh, revolutionize the world. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that. Well, um, you know, when you come up with something that sort of half works, you spend a lot of time trying to promote it and to get it out there and have people see it. And Sky One started this program uh, called The Big Idea. And at the beginning of September, they had heats in Manchester and London where they asked people to come along with their inventions. And you had two minutes in front of uh, three judges, uh, Ruth Badger from The Apprentice, uh, Karen Billamoria from Cobra Beer, and uh, the other chap I've uh, lost, I've got a blank on that. But you had two minutes in front of them, and two of them got up and rode the bicycle. So they, they, they liked it, and I got on to the second round. And the second round is going to be on this Saturday on Sky One. And so that you can watch that in the, in, um, the UK as well as in Ireland? Uh, yes, it'll be anywhere you can get Sky One, that'll be UK and Ireland. And, uh, and so what kind of um, other inventions are you up against with the sideways bike? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, like, to be honest, you know, there was another bicycle that had, it was propelled by hands, um, but he didn't make it to the next round. Unfortunately, in inventing circles, there's an awful lot of inventing that is out to help humanity, whereas, unfortunately, I'm not so much, you know, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with trying to make something work and the idea of helping anybody is a long way down the line. Much to my misfortune a lot of the time. But, um, so there's a lot of kind of uh, interesting ways of doing trash cans and um, there's, a, there's a, a device to help you shoot a pool cue straight and there's a lot of other little nitty things, all very talented and useful. But yours has got a little bit more of a kind of wow factor about it. You know, the bicycle is nothing to do with helping humanity. It's really all about fun and exhilaration. So, you know, when you get on it, most people struggle trying not to die in the beginning, you know, but it, it can be quite exhilarating. So it's, a, it's very hard to know how that helps humanity. But I guess humanity has to have fun too. <laughs> Absolutely. And so if you win, there's quite a hefty cash prize, isn't there? There's a hundred thousand pounds sterling awarded to the winner. And so, what would you do with that money if you won it? Would you spend it on further development? Have you had any interest from um, manufacturers already? What I would do with that money would go into small-scale production, where I would have a hundred or two hundred of them built and start selling them or just giving them away, just to kind of seed the marketplace a little bit. In anything, you do anything new, there's a lot of kind of disinterest from the authorities insofar as they have their own engineers and everything to do with a bicycle has been invented already, or so people will tell you. 
So I would certainly go into small-scale production if I won the 100,000. Well, of course, that's what um, happened with the start of the Brompton folding bicycle. And, and, and look how far that came from a, a prototype hand-welded and brazed in a bedsit in West London to, you know, pretty much the universally agreed best folding bicycle in the world. Absolutely. Everything starts small and everything starts against the wind, so to speak. And you're going to be able to uh, come to London? I've, I, I spent the weekend riding around about three weeks ago, and I will be over at uh, the beginning of December also. Well, perhaps we can meet up and uh, I, I can have a go on the, the machine myself. Absolutely, Jack. That'll be great. Well, that was Michael Killian, inventor of the Sideways Bicycle. And if you have Sky TV, you can um, watch how he gets on, I think, this Saturday and the following Saturday. And apparently there's some kind of user um, viewer poll so you can uh, express uh, which um, of the inventions that are on this show, the big idea, uh, you think is the best and um, give your vote to Michael um, if you like the idea of the sideways bike. We want you to join our Friends of Resonance scheme. Basically... Resonance FM needs people to give us a gift of £10 a month in order to help keep us going. Now, you may ask, what's in it for you? Aside from the warm and fuzzy feeling, every month you'll get a cool free gift, and quarterly you'll get an extra cool gift. Now we need 200 people or so to make this scheme worthwhile, so if you're interested, get in touch. Info at resonancefm.com I'm Sheldon Brown. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Well, we always like to uh, play Sheldon Brown on The Bike Show. He's such an inspiration to so many people involved in cycling and um, it came with some sad news um, this week that I learned um, that Sheldon has had to get off his bike, um, at least his two-wheeled bicycles, um, because of a, a neurological um, problem that he's dealing with. Um, not, they're not quite sure what it is. Um, he's presented quite a lengthy uh, kind of weblog account of all the various um, uh, diagnoses he's had with neurologists and they're figuring out whether it's MS or, or something else um, but um, obviously our great sympathies going out to Sheldon um, but it does look like he's uh, got a very mean lean speed machine in a certain uh, recumbent tricycle uh, that so he's still able to get out on the roads but um, apparently his balance has gotten so poor that um, he can't ride his, uh, his beloved bicycles anymore. And um, something that um, I didn't mention earlier with, um, with um, my guest um, in the studio today is that you've um, been diagnosed for seven years or so with Parkinson's disease. Yes. Um, this is a disease, a neurological um, disease, which affects um, um, balance and um, walking uh, when I'm not medicated, I have quite difficulty walking. I tend to not to be able to pick up my feet, and I shuffle along. But I can get on a bike and go. No There's, trouble at all. When did you realize this? 
Because you guys, I mean, you've not been cycling a lot in the last few years and then got a bike about... Well, when I came back to London and um, last year and you lent me a bike for the afternoon and I went off on it. And I thought, hey, this is great. I can do it. And um, Were you surprised? I was a bit, yes. And I think I told my neurologist about it and I think he was very surprised too um, that, uh, that it's uh, okay. But I would say that um, one thing um, that comes through time and again on the, on the bike show is, um, uh, is the, the feeling of a freedom and escape that one gets from riding a bike. And I found today, just riding today, that I forget all about um, the condition that I have, which can be jolly annoying sometimes. Um, being on the bike is just, um, well, it's like being back at school again and... Um, Plays ended and we are, you you get the Sunday afternoon you're on your own you know and um, that's that's a great feeling of escape and it's just a regular normal bicycle it's nothing special that you got no it's just a good uh, ordinary bike which I bought second hand from somebody for fifty pounds <laughs> I can't say fairer than that well a slightly more expensive um, bicycle I'm not even quite sure if it counts as a bicycle um, it's something that's been developed and has been launched recently by molten rock equipment and this is a very high-tech off-road wheelchair essentially and um, Alex Murray who you may remember um, as our uh, courageous uh, Etape du Tour correspondent from um, earlier in the year was down at the cycle show um, a few weeks ago and he um, met up with uh, the inventors of this now I've come to stand here with um, Chris Swift, director of Molten Rock Equipment Limited, and what looks to be the most hardcore off-road wheelchair I think you'll ever see. Chris, what was the inspiration for this? Uh, essentially what we're trying to come up with is a mountain bike for a wheelchair user, uh, something that would take you off-road and down the fire tracks, and for the sociable side of biking, but also just for the freedom and the sort of exhilaration of being outdoors, really. I can imagine it must be fairly a different experience for a wheelchair user getting in one of these and being able to go into the sort of wilds and rocky sort of roads that I suppose would otherwise seem sort of very inaccessible and daunting. Yeah, absolutely. We had um, one of our chairs went out to Africa and a guy used it. Um, he was uh, paralysed from the chest down. And he said it was the closest thing to being walk- walking. He was able to go uh, over sand and gravel and dirt and up tracks over hills and such uh, and it really gave him the sense of freedom and, and he was very exhilarated by that um, it's a nice smooth ride you've got independent suspension all the way on the vehicle and it will do a range of about 14 miles uh, per battery charge um, over sort of general farm tracks and bridleways and such How many of these have you built so far? Uh, we're a startup company essentially this is our launch so we're, we're trying to see whether it appeals to guys who used to cycle mountain bike you can't anymore. Uh, they're friends who might be in wheelchairs and want to come along with them for the social side. And also for uh, companies that have higher fleets might want to have one of our cycles for inclusivity, really, particularly in, in the light of Disability Discrimination Act and such things. A lot of uh, wheelchair users are very, very keen to get out there, uh, but they don't have the access to the equipment that allows them to do it independently. I imagine this would be very popular with the traditional sort of outward-bound centre market which already has existing facilities for disabled users in perhaps water and other sort of areas, but doesn't have the facilities to allow them to join in sort of cycling activities. 
Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of interest from uh, not only, uh, as you say, outward bound centres, but also uh, today we had interest from uh, a ski resort in France looking to use, um, offer facilities for wheelchair users that do adaptive skiing in the winter, but they like to offer adaptive sports like off-road wheelchair riding uh, in the summertime. We've, we've got the technology now, we just need to get it out there and get, get, it, get people knowing about what we can do. Well, that was Alex Murray reporting on the Molten Rock off-road wheelchair, which I think the prototype is currently on sale for about £6,000. So it's clearly something for the kind of specialist end of the market and probably not something that you would buy necessarily yourself. Although I suppose £6,000, if you compare it to uh, what it costs to buy a car, is not so bad. If I mean, and having looked at the uh, photographs of this thing, it seems like it can cover a pretty amazing terrain and give people who um, would otherwise be you know stuck inside or on asphalt the chance to um, have some real excitement what do you think of that well i think that the two uh, the combination of transportation and exhilaration are about as good as you can get really um and uh, a bicycle and all these um self-powered uh, machinery does that for you and and it's free and, and it's, it's clean and it's lovely and it seems like there are lots of inventors like michael killian i mean michael was quite self-deprecating saying that he was just inventing something to give people a chance to have fun but from those kinds of invention inventions can come other inventions and it's all a great big uh you know world of of, of new ideas and there seems to be no shortage of of inventors coming up with with prototype models of all kinds of new things to meet new needs. And it's really interesting to see that it's not just about making a really, really fast bike or a really, really light bike or something for the athletes, that people are focusing on um, on bikes for all kinds of uh, potential cyclists. So we're coming up to the end of the show. A bit of bookkeeping. Again, if you heard that... Um, jingle a little bit earlier about the Resonance uh, Friends of Resonance Fund um, if you'd like to support Resonance it would be extremely uh, extremely appreciated and we may even organise for a special bike show show of appreciation for everybody who uh, joins the uh, Friends of Resonance Fund having listened to uh, the bike show um, as yet to be determined prize but it'll be extremely exclusive and highly desirable um, there's a great exhibition going on um, in central London of the winners of the Reinventing the Bike Shed Architecture Competition um, that you will have heard if you listen to the show over the summer. I went to the launch of that competition organised by uh, Transport for London, Bike Off and Field and Cleg, Cleg and Bradley Associates. Well, the winners are in um, an exhibition which is on Store Street. That's just um, round the corner from here off Tottenham Court Road. Um, in a big firm of architects there, a uh, great big glass-fronted building. Um, I can't quite remember the name, but you can't miss it if you go past. And there's also a lot of um, information there about new transportation projects in London. If you want to email the show, um, let us know things we should be covering, um, or you want to express your appreciation or otherwise, um, drop us a line. It's always appreciated. Um, and the email address is bikeshow at gmail.com. You can tune in to um, previous episodes via the podcast or real audio from uh, bikeshow.blogspot.com. Just time really to say thanks very much, Thank David you. Thurston, Thank you for Dad, me. for coming on the show <laughs> finally. 
and uh, sharing all your experiences and here's to many years of happy cycling for you uh, and for me too in the future all right oh, sure chapeau to all bon route we don't care we don't mind if we don't be in front we'll be right behind we don't care if they laugh at us let them take the bus and leave the sickle for us they can have a can like a team or two but give me my rocky bicycle for two Resonance 104.4 FM Brought to you by the London Musicians Collective